Again, I'll be in Jude, really looking at verse 8 this morning. Now, those of you who use email, which is most of you here this morning, have probably received emails like this. Important. Your unclaimed funds. I'm an auditor in a European bank and clearinghouse. It is our duty to look into transaction records of banks, securities, companies, and financial houses within Europe. We also work in collaboration with America, Asia, Africa, Australia, clearinghouse, Australian clearinghouses. During my investigation on unpaid debts in various banks and security companies, I discovered that you are to be paid for an inherited contract fund which requires presentation of certain documents and payment of fees before the fund could be released to you. And, of course, they provide a nice, convenient link to pay those funds. I want to inform you that the problem you are having is from your agent partners and a lawyer who is representing you. Didn't know I had one. They did not, they did not reveal, I'm trying not to correct the uh, grammar here, they did not reveal the reason for delay of your payment, and my reason of contacting you is to inform you to stop payment of any such to the lawyer or to the financial house, as you will not receive your fund due to some anomalies we discovered in your file. We are to protect your interest. Please contact me immediately so we can advise you on how you receive your fund without any impediment. I received that in January. Then in February. Greetings. How are you doing today? This is Miss Rosalind Richardson, the bank manager, and we are compensating all the scammed victims this year, 2023, here in our company with some fund and charity donation. How do you want to receive it? Please let us know now. One, ATM card delivery. Two, bank to bank transfer. Get back to me, ASAP, with your reconfirm information. Then, in March, estimate customer, you have been awarded $3.7 million through MoneyGram, money transfer for compensation to retain the good image of this country. Send your receiving information, and of course they provide an email account, which I won't read. You have to be receiving a maximum of $6,000 each day until the whole sum of $3.7 million US dollars transfer complete. Contact the MoneyGram office immediately and also send your receivers information to start receiving your payments and the request full name, home address, country, city, age, sex, direct phone number, and ID copy, which I'm assuming is, is like your driver's license or something like that. Now, you laugh at these. I didn't respond to them. Why? Because they're clearly fraudulent. They're clearly fraudulent. But why do they do this? Because somewhere, someone, somewhere takes the bait. They click. They say, oh, but what, but what if it's true? What if it's true that I, like, I've inherited all this money? Well, it's, it's not. These are obviously malicious emails. But what happens when the scammers get a little wiser? And they steal logos from companies. And they start looking very legitimate. It's a bit harder to tell then, especially if they use a grammar checker. Right? Then you know it's not from overseas, or at least it doesn't appear that way. It's really, it's a lot harder to tell that, isn't it? 
In a recent article, I saw that the phishing emails, that's what these are called, phishing emails, they increased 569% in 2022. 569%. And there were a lot before, but there's a lot more now. Right Now, add this complication, chat GPT. Right? The artificial intelligence everybody's talking about. Do you know that you can actually use that to say, I want to know how this company, go f- tell me how this company communicates with its employees. And it'll go out and find that. And then it'll say, write a phishing email that sounds legitimate. And it will go re- it'll go write that. And it'll come back to you with a nicely written letter. It will no longer sound like it's from somewhere in uh, another country that where English isn't the native language. Then it becomes a lot more difficult. But as it was, all those emails that I read to you, even if they had perfect grammar, even if they sound, if you receive them from like your company or, you know, the rich uncle you didn't know you had or something like that, you would still think something's wrong with this, right? wouldn't you? And, and, and that is in essence what Jude is telling to us. So the, the, the scammers that do the phishing emails, they're, they're a lot like false teachers in the church. They, they, can, they can cloak themselves. Sometimes they're really obvious that they're false teachers. They don't mean to be, but they are because you know your Bibles. But there's other times where false teachers look like they could be legitimate, but there's just something fishy. There's something odd. And Jude's going to going to help us with identifying some key habits of false teachers. And that's, that's really what he does here, beginning in Jude 8. And the, and the section runs from verse 8 all the way to verse 13. And we're not going to cover all that. We're not even going to get all the way through verse 8 this morning. Because I think there's some important things that I want to, that we need to mine out of this this morning. But there are these characteristics of false teachers that are just inherently true because of who they are, because they're unconverted, their flesh is within them, and they can't control their flesh. So these things eke out of them, just like a phishing email written by ChatGBT. There's still going to be things within that email that, that cause you to think, this doesn't sound legitimate, because it's not. Right? So with, with, with that as the, as the uh, introduction, Let's read Jude, and I'm going to read verses 8 to 10. Keep in mind, we're just going to get into verse 8. And he, let me just pick up in verse 5, because verse 8 flows from that. Now I desire to remind you that though you know all things for once, for all, that the Lord, after saving the people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, and angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, has kept in eternal bonds under darkness, for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way these men, also by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, 
and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. And Jude, verses 8 to 10, the Holy Spirit provides you with four identifying habits of false teachers, of, of these apostates, that you must use to unmask them so that you can identify them and not be influenced by them. Right? And, and the Lord uses these in our lives when we apply his word. Now, we're just going to get started into these. Lord willing, we'll cover the first two in, in verse 8. And we'll look at the others uh, later, uh, later Sunday. So look at how verse 8 begins. Yet in the same way, these men. So what Jude is saying in verse 8 connects with what he said in, in verses 5 through 7. The three examples, the three examples of certain judgment that, that is coming upon those who reject God's word. Jude moves from talking about these, from talking about their certain judgment, to talk about habits they have that we can use to identify who they are. Now, he says, in the same way. So that's looking at those three examples. In the same way, those three examples, those, those men, those, those habits, those patterns, it says these men. So it's, it's bringing us back up to the current. Jude is saying, not only these are the three historical examples, but now these men, the ones that I'm talking about, these referring to the ones who have crept in. Look at verse 4. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Right? That's who he's talking about. These men. He's coming, bringing it back. And, and these men have habits that are visible, that will, uh, that will enable the church to identify who they are. Now, they're not always visible immediately, but I'm going to say it now, and I'll probably repeat myself. Time and truth go hand in hand. Given enough time, the truth will come out. That's why we should not rush anybody into a leadership position. We need time. They need to be tested over a duration, a lengthy period of time to see their character and their conduct. Now, the four things, I'm just going to give them to you all together, and then we'll look, Lord willing, first two and look at the last two later. The, the traits or habits of the false teachers are these. A reliance upon dreams a reliance upon dreams, a pursuit of sexual immorality, rejection of authority, and blasphemy of glorious ones. Right? Reliance upon dreams, pursuit of sexual immorality, rejection of authority, blasphemy of glory, glorious ones. So the first thing that Jude wants us to know is, is that you can identify apostates and false teachers by their reliance upon dreams. You see that in verse 8. Yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming, also by dreaming. Now Jude, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he moves from the three examples of, of those who rejected God's word, and he moves into identifying the men. And the first thing he says is that he brings up the idea of dreaming, also by dreaming. Now the, the grammar of this sentence indicates that their dreaming influences everything else. You can even see this in, in the English. It's, it, he, he doesn't list dreaming, uh, dreams kind of separate. He says, also by dreaming, defile the flesh, reject authority, revile angelic majesties. So this first one kind of feeds the others, right? It, it, is, it is an activity, but it's an activity that is carried on and feeds the other activities. So it's not totally separate. But I want you to see that it's, it's a present tense. This isn't just just something that happens occasionally. This is the pattern of their life. That's why I call it a habit. It is ongoing within their lives. 
Now we need to understand how Jude is using the word dreaming. What does he mean when he says that they uh, were dreaming, also by dreaming, that they carry on these other activities? Well, keep in mind, this is Jude, the Lord's half-brother. He's fully Jewish. He would have been raised with the Old Testament, uh, with with really good knowledge of the Old Testament. He would have been well well versed in the Old Testament, which is the only scriptures they knew at that time until the new was written. And and because he was aware of that, he or he had good knowledge of the Old Testament, he would have been aware that God did communicate at times through dreams. He would have been aware of that. We find that in the Old Testament. But he would have also known that these messages from God given by dreams were special occasions that were relatively rare. This was not common occurrence at all. And Jude would have also known that about half of the Old Testament scriptures where talks about God giving dreams to people, about half of them are given to unbelievers. Do you think about that? Over half of the dreams that God gave to people that are recorded in the Old Testament are given to unbelievers. You have Abimelech. You have Laban. Um, you also have Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker. You have Pharaoh himself. You have the Midianite warrior who told his story to another Midianite warrior, and Gideon overheard that. You remember that? And Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I believe Nebuchadnezzar came to faith, but the dreams were given before he came to faith. So all that to say is, just because someone has it, even in the Old Testament, someone had a dream from God, doesn't necessarily make them a man of God or anybody that's walking with the Lord at all. So we kind of jump to that conclusion in our today's age, not we, but the church in, in general. Right? But the Lord did speak at times through dreams. Now Jude, because he was the Lord's half-brother and he wrote this epistle and, and he knew the ministry of the apostles. You know how I knew, how we know that he knows the ministry of apostles? You know, look at verse 17. He says, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jude was aware of what the apostles wrote, what the apostles taught. And so he would have also known that even in the, the, the New Testament times, in, in the time of our Lord, that God also spoke through dreams. But again, it was very rare. The Lord spoke to a dream, uh, spoke through a dream to Joseph on four different occasions. And then also to the Magi, telling them to go back another way. And that's it. There are no other dreams in the New Testament. Now there are visions, and sometimes the context treats visions and dreams similarly. But if you look at the New Testament, the visions are treated separately. Visions given to Peter, vision given to Paul, visions given to John, right? That's a different word than, than dreaming. And they weren't sleeping, right? So sometimes people get, they call visions in the Old Testament, visions and dreams take on a synonymous meaning. But in the New Testament, they seem to be separated in concept and idea. So, so Jude would have known that. So is Jude talking about the legitimate but very rare gift of, of, that God gives of communication through dreams? No. And, and the reason that we know that is that because Jude 
is talking about in a, this dreaming in the context of the false teachers. Okay? Jude knows that God is not going to give false teachers a legitimate communication in their dreams. Right? God was not giving these apostate teachers any kind of legitimate dreams. But there's a debate. Even though these aren't, say, legitimate dreams, is Jude talking about people that receive, that think they receive dreams, that, that do actually dream? Or is he talking about the a, a concept that we would call dreaming? Like you ask somebody, you know, what do you dream to be when you grow up? You know, th- that, that kind of idea. It's, it's more of a desire um, idea. And so there, there's a legitimate debate about that. Um, Jude here points to the fact that this dreaming is similar to what is done by the three examples given in verses uh, 5, 6, and 7. So you have the Jews who did not believe who were destroyed. You had the angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their abode. He has kept under eternal darkness. And Sodom and Gore and the cities around them were destroyed on earth um, as an example of eternal fire, which is to come those who disregard the Lord. There's no mention of them, any of them receiving like dreams while they're sleeping. So that, that, that fact, the fact that, it, that Jude is tying in the context between verse 8, two verses 5 through 7, it is a good indication that the dreaming he's talking about is primarily about a person's desires. It's not that they receive some, some message from God or that they claim to receive some message from God. The three examples, there's none, none of that uh, brought up in the examples. And if you go look at the Old Testament texts related to those, there's nothing about dreaming in those either. So the dreaming here most likely in Jude pertains to the person's desires, what they, what they want, want to do, maybe what they, what they dream themselves or bodily at night uh, just of their own cognition. But I do think there's a sense in which Jude doesn't nail it down because he's writing out of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he wants us to be on guard for both, although primarily it is, it is the, the dreaming of just the desires that we need to be aware of. These people are motivated by their desires. And because the human heart is so desperately wicked, you know, Jeremiah says, who can understand it? That even sometimes these false teachers, they've so suppressed the truth and unrighteousness that they can't even decide whether what they you know whether whether they're actually making something up um, and telling you a lie that they dreamed this or, or did they actually dream it? It just it just gets confusing in their head because they've suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. To give you an illustration of how this works, you know if you burn your finger once and it heals, then it'll it'll heal just fine. But if you repeatedly burn your finger, you'll get to a place where your finger can no longer sense being burned. You'll lose the feeling for that. So that's how suppressing the truth and unrighteousness works. So if you continue to suppress the truth and unrighteousness, if you continue to deny your conscience when, when God convicts you of sin, your conscience will stop functioning. And, and that's where these fault, many of these falters have got, false teachers have, have gotten to. And so I do think there's a, a bit of, of, a, of a mixture that is intentional in the scripture here between a false teacher who believes they received some dream and one who just has a dream or a desire. Um, and I think there's a passage, or I know there's a passage in the Old Testament that helps us a little bit to see this. So turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 23. 
Jeremiah 23 is a chapter in which our Lord, Yahweh, rebukes the unrighteous shepherds, and it's a, also a prophecy of the good shepherd, the faithful shepherd who would, who would come, and that's our Lord, who we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read, I won't read the whole chapter, but I'll read select chapters of it, because I think it's, it, it just speaks to this so clearly. Jeremiah 23. First, the Lord begins, Woe to the shepherds who are destroyed and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who are tending my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I'm about to come to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their pasture and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them and they will not be afraid any longer nor be terrified nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. And his in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And we know that to be speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 11. He says, for both prophet and priest are polluted. So back to the current shepherds for both prophet and priest are polluted. Even my house, I have found their wickedness. Even in my house, I have found their wickedness, declares the Lord. Therefore, their way will be like slippery paths to them. They will be driven away into the gloom and fall down in it, for I will bring calamity upon them. The year of their punishment, declares the Lord. Moreover, among the prophets of Samaria, I saw an offensive thing. They prophesied by Baal, Baal and led my people Israel astray. Also, among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing, the committing of adultery and walking in falsehood, and they strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become to me like Sodom and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I am going to feed them wormwood and make them drink poisonous water. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, pollution has gone forth into all the land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak a vision, look at that, of their own imagination. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you will have peace. And as for everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say, calamity will not come upon you. Sounds a lot like today. Don't listen to them. Look at verse 18. But who has stood in the counsel of the Lord that he should see and hear his word? Who has given heed to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord has gone forth in wrath, even a whirling tempest. It will swirl down on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days, you will clearly understand it. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. Again, sounds like today. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have announced my words to my people and would have turned them back from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. 
Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? Have I not heard what the prophets have said who prophesy falsely in my name, saying, I had a dream! I had a dream! Sounds like many false prophets, but it's false. The Lord says they prophesy falsely. How long? Is there anything in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy falsehood? Even these prophets of the deception of their own heart who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which they relate to one another, just as their fathers forgot my name because of Baal. The prophet who has a dream may relate his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that shatters a rock? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other, just like they do today. Plagiarize. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare the Lord declares. Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehood, falsehoods and reckless boasting. Yet I did not send them or command them, nor do they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. Now when this people or the prophet or priest ask you, saying, What is the oracle of the Lord? Then you shall say to them, What oracle? The Lord declares, I will abandon you. Then as for the prophet or the priest or the people who say the oracle of the Lord, I will bring punishment upon that man and his household. And thus each of you will say to his neighbor or to his brother, What has the Lord answered or what has the Lord spoken? For you will no longer remember the oracle of the Lord because every man's own word will become the oracle and you have perverted the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. The, the Lord rebukes in very clear terms and he, and he uses the whole idea of visions and dreams coming from their heart. They perverted it. This is not from God. This is, this is of their own doing. So if we think about how this might uh, appear uh, applied to what we're doing in are talking about in Jude, how Jude is understanding the term, see that, like even in verse 13, they, they prophesied by Baal. So in a sense, their dreams were driven demonically, which we know that, that happens. If a person, a person who claims to get some dream from God is either lying to you or they are telling you they really did get a dream, but it's not from God. It's from an angel who is masquerading it's an evil angel masquerading as an angel of light. It's, it's a demonic dream. And, and this, this passage in Jeremiah confirms that. that. That actually happens. They prophesied by Baal, which there's, that's not, that is a god uh, of that region, a false god, but it's just, it's just demons masquerading to be a, another god. At, at other times, dreams can come from their own wicked hearts. Notice verse 16. They speak a vision of their own heart. Why, why do people do this? Why do they make a, a claim to get some kind of dream? It's, it has to do with their evil motives. They're seeking to gain an advantage over you. They're, they're telling you they have some secret knowledge. They have some secret access to God, which you do not have. And therefore, you need them. You need to listen to what they say. And, and that's, it's, it's basically a manipulation ploy. 
So apply that. The evangelical world today, you will get people that says, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord told me this. They're either lying or they're being, they're hearing from a demon who's masquerading as an angel of light. And they'll say, oh, I couldn't be fooled. Oh, yes, they can. Because the Word of God says that they can. Let me give you some examples. Benny Hinn. Now, he's one that be like the initial examples I gave. Pretty obvious to most of you, right? Benny Hinn claims to get messages from God. And even sometimes while he's preaching, he'll say, oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yeah, 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 I'll do that. Okay. And it's like he's getting communication from God, like as he's preaching. He's lying. He's either making it up or he's got demons telling him what to say. It's not of God, but a lot of people are fooled by him and send him a lot of money to fly in his nice fancy jets and homes all over the world. So you're not fooled, but many are. Example two, a little bit of historical example. Joseph Smith claimed to get messages from God that only he could understand. An angel gave them to him, but only he could he could understand them, wrote them down, and even taught from his own dreams like they were scripture because that's what they considered him. He is the founder of the Latter-day Saints, the church, church of the Latter-day Saints. That was what we call as Mormon church. You know, really like to be called Mormons these days, but that is uh, historical reality. It's a, it's a cult. They don't preach the biblical Christ. They teach Christ as some brother to Satan, and, and he's not God himself. He's like a demigod. So this is... That's just ridiculous to say he received a dream. And the the thing is that people don't read their Bibles. Just think about what Paul says in Galatians 1, 8 and 9. He says, but if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to the gospel we have proclaimed to you, let him be cursed. That's a heavy term. We should not throw that around lightly. He continues, he says, as we have said before, so I say again, if any man is proclaiming to you a a gospel contrary to what you have received, let him be accursed. Joseph Smith's gospel is contrary to the scriptures. He must be accursed by God's word. And yet many people follow him. They're fooled by him. But the evangelical church today is very prone, very susceptible, a better way to put that, to being deceived. It doesn't know the word of God very well. And when you don't have a good theological foundation, then you're not very discerning because the only ability to discern is if you have the truth. If you have the truth, then you can look at the falsehood and say, I can discern truth from falsehood. But if you don't have the truth, if you don't know the truth very well, then you're not very discerning. And so today, some of the best-selling Christian books are written by people who make similar claims. So they aren't necessarily claiming to get a dream. But they are making claims to hear from God. And that's dangerous, beloved. And I want to warn you to stay away from anyone, anyone who claims to hear from God in an audible way, in some way where they can write it down. That's dangerous. They're lying to you or they're hearing from demons. And you might say, well, but I was so blessed by that person's Bible study. Well, you know what? 
a broken old clock, like an analog clock, is right twice a day. Can't say that with digital clocks. False teachers are going to say a lot that's right. And when they teach the scriptures accurately, you could be blessed by them. But you have to be on guard because they're going to slip in some deviancies when you are when you have your guard down. They, they just do that. Back to my point about best-selling Christian books. Sarah Young's Jesus Calling is a runaway bestseller. Multiple editions. And they even have what they call companion products for your kids and Easter and all these other things, right? Companion products. Make lots of money off of it. But listen to what her book claims. Take this from the inset, from her. Or from her publisher, anyway. For many years, missionary Sarah Young kept a prayer journal recording her thoughts and prayers. Then she decided to start listening for what Jesus might be saying to her in her daily journal. The journal she started encouraged her heart, along with thousands of others the world over. Her meditations became the now classic devotional Jesus Calling, enjoying peace in his presence. These 365 days of reading share the words and scriptures Jesus laid on her heart to share. As you read these words of inspiration and encouragement, you'll be brought closer to Jesus' presence, experiencing his love and peace. Can I just say stay away? Your well-meaning friends and family members might give you Jesus' calling, and you can just say polite thank you and get rid of it. Unless you need to read it to help them get out of that if they're reading it. That's the only way you should read that, is, is to read it in a sense of knowing what it is so you can help someone get out of it. But it's it's a big, bold, fat-laced lie. It's just a lie. And it takes away from the sufficiency of God's word. You meet God in his word. God's presence comes through his Holy Spirit working through his word. He doesn't need Sarah Young. And in fact, Sarah Young is going to lead you in the wrong way. But unfortunately, that's just one. That's just one of them. Another example is Lisa Turkhurst's book. God, the title of it is God Speaking to Me? Question mark. Here's what her book claims. And I, again, I quote this. Take it directly from the publisher. Is the voice of the Lord, is, is this the voice of the Lord or just my own thoughts? We have all wondered at times. Turkhurst shares with you her own struggles and through scripture, personal stories and practical application, she'll help you learn to recognize and respond to God's call using five key questions to discern if a message is really from him. And guess what? Those of you who don't like to read, you're going to be really encouraged by this. It's only 64 pages long. So in 64 pages, she's going to help you figure out whether something within you is, you know, going to help you really hear from God or not. It's, it's nonsense. It's, it's, a, it's a lie. Right? Either it's a lie or it's a message from Satan. Right? I'm just telling you, take it to Scripture. This is what they do. Go back to Jude. By dreaming. These false teachers also by dreaming. They can't rely upon totally upon the word of God because they have nothing then because they're not really good at actually teaching the scriptures. False teachers are seeking to deceive you, to lead you astray. And they do it subtly. They do it slowly. Right? So slowly you hardly notice it. You must be on guard for that, sticking to the word of God. 
So all false teachers rely some extent upon dreams, either either dreams that they that they think are from God or really from Satan, or just their desires, dreaming things up. Right? Lisa Turkhurst is thinking, just dreaming this up as if God, she's so important that God will speak directly to her and use her as some prophetic voice to the evangelical world. That's that's just a lie. She has there is no objective proof, nor can she offer any that this is from God. I can offer you objective proof that God said no further word. Right? Look at Revelation says, he who adds to these things or takes away from them, let them be accursed. The canon is closed. The canon is sufficient. The canon of Scripture is all we need. With the Holy Spirit's help, it's sufficient. Just let Jeremiah 23, 21 ring out in your head. I did not send these prophets, but they ran. I did not speak to them, but they prophesied. How is God speaking to us today? God is speaking to us through his son. Turn to Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. There's something radically different that God has chosen to do through his son. That's different from everything else. Christ receives all the glory. He is the perfection of God's communication to us. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, verse two, in these last days has spoken to us through, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better as, as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Christ is exalted. Christ is the perfection of the Lord's communication to us. He is the word, the living word. And he anointed his apostles to, to write and complete the New Testament to draw out the written word. It's finished. It's complete. And, and if you this morning are here and you don't know kind of what to make of all this. You don't, you don't know what it's like to follow Christ. You're not sure whether or not that, that the Holy Spirit resides in you. Know and hear for sure that the Lord has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again in newness of life three days later, just as the scripture said, so that all who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And when you call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, he gives you his Holy Spirit, the helper, to help you discern truth and error. And I plead with you this morning, on behalf of the Lord, be reconciled to God. It's not a process to be saved. You just call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Now, for the believers here who have called upon the name of the Lord, know that, that Christ is the, is the apex of God's communication to us. Because he is the one who shows us who the Father is. But notice how Peter takes both the prime example of what he saw in Christ and then turns it to Scripture. Look at Second Peter, if you would, please. Second Peter 1. So Peter talks about his transfig the, the experience that he had seeing our Lord transfigured. That's the previous context. 
And he says in verse 19, so we have the prophetic word made more sure. More sure than what? More sure than that experience. He says, to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. So Peter is saying, though he had a grand experience of seeing the risen Christ, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's saying we have more sure, more sure than the eyesight, we have the written word, and you ought to pay attention to that as to a light shining in a dark place. We live in a spiritually dark environment today. You need to pay attention to the light of God's word. It's your source to discern truth from error. There's a lot of people Sometimes wear their collars backwards. Sometimes wear nice suits like me. Sometimes they wear Hawaiian shirts, right? Who are speaking messages that are not from God. They're not from God's word. You need to pay attention to the word of God. It helps you discern truth and error. A false gospel, which will lead you to damnation from the true gospel, which saves. This is what the Lord has for us. He's given us this word. Do not listen to to anybody that says they're getting messages from God today. It's simply not true. It's not that God can't do it if he chooses to. God can do anything he wants to do. What I know is he will never violate his word. So if there were to be a message today, it would be in complete alignment with the word of God. It would completely agree with it. But the Lord isn't giving those messages today because he wants us to trust his word. To trust his word. That's what the Lord wants you you to do. And and it is such an important thing in our day and age for us to cling to the word of God because you've got a lot of people and sometimes it's hard to discern, is this a false teacher or is this a believer who is teaching falsehood? Sometimes it is hard to discern that. But if you just stick to the word of God, you will never go wrong. So when people start telling you that homosexuality is okay, you know that's wrong. No matter how many other churches and pastors say that it's okay. When when churches or pastors start saying, you know, that transgenderism is is okay, you know that it's not, because the word of God that doesn't directly address transgenderism, but does directly address genders, that there are only two, and men are to be men and women are to be women. So the word of God clarifies a lot of things going on in our culture right now. And you can't trust some of the old, maybe the, the guys that you used to trust, that used to be really trustworthy, um, or you thought were trustworthy. If they start going off, you don't really have to figure out whether they're a false teacher or whether they're a believer teaching falsehood. That's, that's really, that'll be made manifest with enough time. Just stick to the Word of God, right? And you will not go wrong. No one can lead you astray the Word of God. And as a, as a pastor, I long to be involved in your life. So if you have questions or you're wrestling with something you don't understand, please come talk to me. Ask a question. Let me, let me help you walk through that. Because okay? sometimes it is hard to discern truth or error. But if you stick to the Word of God, you're not going to be led um, into error. If you stick to the truth, God will protect you. Now, that's only my first point, so I am not going to start my second point. I will have mercy uh, tonight. Our Lord is good, and know that he gives us his word 
to protect us and shield us, to guide us and to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, let's uh, pray together. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful that you have given us your word, a word that we can trust, a word you have preserved, a word in our own language that we can understand. Help us to cling to your word as a light shining in a dark place. Lord, help us to just to understand your word so that we have the theological foundation that we need uh, to discern truth from error. Help us to be those who earnestly contend for the faith once for all handed down to the saints, to be a faithful church who loves Christ, who loves the word of God and, and longs to see that word um, run with progress in our own lives as we apply it to our own lives, but also that longs to see the word of God progress in other people's lives, that they too might know the risen Christ and be blessed and encouraged and instructed and fed from the word of God. Oh, Lord, we are just so thankful uh, to you. And even now, Lord, we just want to reflect on your death as we celebrate the Lord's uh, Supper today, that you would just help us to do so in a way that, that glorifies you, that, that, Lord, in a very respectful way, just celebrates what you have done and who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the pulpit ministry of Medina Bible Church in Medina, Ohio. You can find church information, a complete sermon library, and other helpful materials at medinabible.org. This message is copyrighted by Medina Bible Church. All rights reserved.